What's up? Welcome into the J.C. Gonzalez Sports Podcast for the first time in 2019. And man, it's been far too long, hasn't it? Uh, I've been out of studio. A lot has happened across the world of sports. Trust me, I know. Um, Seen massive shifts in the Super Bowl picture, the NFL playoff uh, race, coaches getting axed left and right across the league, Clemson destroying Alabama in the college football playoff national championship. That shocked me. Shocked a lot of people. A lot more, too. That's just the highlights, what we've seen over the last month. But uh, to tell you the truth, I'm back, and I'm so glad to be back because I've honestly been dying to get back on the mic and get back talking sports is what I love doing. I can't wait. Um, Today on the show, I'll rank every team left in the playoffs. I'm going to pick each and every game this weekend. I'm going to talk coaching changes across the league and some of what those ramifications could be in terms of quarterbacks for some of these rebuilding teams as they look to get back into the playoff picture in the NFL. It's a great time of the year for sports. It's a great time for football. I'm back. Let's get it started. Do you know Sean McVay? If you do, you may be entitled to an NFL head coaching position. That's what the media has been saying all week. All week. They've been freaking out because every team with an opening outside of the Buccaneers and the Broncos has looked for this this mold that we've been talking about, a young, offensive-minded coach to develop a relationship with their young quarterback in the McVay-Jared Goff model. Here's the thing. Why are they so wrong to do this? In today's NFL, the most important position on the field is quarterback. The rule changes are all pro offense. This league is moving towards like a basketballization in terms of scoring is easy, defense is hard. So quarterback is the most important aspect in scoring, Why is it so egregious for the Cardinals to go get someone like Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who identified both Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes as relatively underlooked prospects and aided in their development to start him? Why is that such a big deal? Why is everyone making a fuss? But JC, he couldn't win at Texas Tech. Wow. He can't coach defense. And he can't attract top assistants to live in Lubbock, Texas, and coach the state's fifth most important college football power. His offenses scored 50, The other team scored 60. That's not really on the guy running the offense, if you ask me. And Josh Rosen needs help, honestly. Josh Rosen cannot do it all himself. He needs help. He struggled as a rookie, and this is his help. We're judging Josh Rosen. I don't think we should up this year. We should look next year. If he can't succeed in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, we know he's a bust. I doubt he is, and I think he's going to be great next year. And if your concern is the defense again, which haunted Kingsbury in college, he doesn't have to worry about that. NFL defensive coordinator jobs are not defensive coordinator at Texas Tech. And so the Cardinals just got former Denver head coach Vance Joseph as their DC, an excellent defensive mind who, guess what? His issue was he couldn't score with Case Keenum. He couldn't get the offense right. Kingsbury can't get the defense right. But their side of the ball, man, they're good. So I think that means he and Kingsbury Kingsbury are going to click okay, yeah? They both, they, they complement each other's skill set. They're head coaches of their one side of the ball. Now let's look at the Jets. Who They go get Adam Gase, who was a seriously underrated coach, in my opinion, who consistently won when Ryan Tannehill was on the field, and that's not saying much. To ask for Ryan Tannehill, replacement-level quarterback, I don't know about that. He, he's like the 20th at best to like the 25th at worst quarterback in this league. And he was, years ago, he was Sean McVay before there was a Sean McVay. And if New York can put anything around Sam Darnold at all, I think they're going to be a promising team. 
and here's why. I mean, Sam Darnold showed a seriously high ceiling with a defensive head coach with no weapons and with one of the league's absolute worst offensive lines. And he had some brilliant moments. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. You saw that. And you throw in Adam Gase now. So you're going to give him the offensive coach who's going to give him the tutelage he needs to grow as an NFL quarterback. Keep in mind, he was by far the youngest of all the rookies this year. You know, least amount of starts under his belt. You know, he um, he came into, I uh, left early from USC. And you expect him to immediately be better than someone like Baker Mayfield, five-year senior transfer guy, played under, you know, the tutelage of Cliff Kingsbury, as well as, you know, Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley, and you expect Sam Darnold under USC's uh, much maligned coaching staff to come in and immediately eclipse. I mean, I just the expectations were unrealistic. And honestly, he exceeded what I could have seen happening. I could have seen a lot of people going, Sam Darnold's a bust after year one with, you know, Todd Bowles, who I think is not a very good head coach. I think he's a defensive coordinator who was a head coach. He's He should be a DC, right? And, like, one of the most abysmal offensive um, skill positions and just complementary pieces with no scheme, no nothing. Adam Gase will change that. Adam Gase will bring scheme at least. Will they get the players? I don't know that yet. Same thing with the Cardinals. I don't know that yet. But I know it's going to be better than Steve Wilkes on offense at least. Why do I know that? Because they're going to bring scheme. That's what's so important. These quarterbacks, you know, uh, Jared Goff was a, is the example everyone looks at. Mitch Trubisky. It's not as heralded, but it's true. Mr. Trubisky has grown so much under the tutelage of Matt Nagy than he did under John Fox. They went defensive, old, to young, offensive. And that's nothing against John Fox. I think he's a great coach. But what I'm saying here is that to develop a young quarterback, you have to give him scheme. You have to give him rhythm. You have to get him into a timing. Not every quarterback can be, you know, kind of like what the Steelers do, where it's not really a scheme. It's just you put it all on Ben, you put it on Le'Veon, you put it on A.B., these teams don't have Le'Veon or A.B., most of them. Cardinals got David Johnson. And these teams don't have seasoned NFL veterans who don't need some help from their coaching staff. And today's NFL, you know, like I said earlier, it's changing towards offensive-driven, schematically-driven, you know, teams. The Chicago Bears on offense are not very talented. They are excellent schematically. Matt Nagy runs one of the best schemes in the NFL. Who is to say that next year, you know, someone like Josh Rosen and Cliff Kingsbury can't be schematically excellent on offense, and Vance Joseph can't coach up a good defense with some serious talent? And here's, here's my point here. These moves inspire franchises, the media, and the fans. Hiring a retread, that doesn't inspire confidence in me. With the exception of Gase and, you know, maybe Mike McCarthy, I would not have hired any of the coaches fired this year. They're fired for a reason. Would Arizona fans be happier today? All of you who are crushing Cliff Kingsbury. Would Arizona fans be happier today if Hugh Jackson was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Would that be better? Huh? Hugh's had his chance. It wasn't working with Baker. Would it have worked with Rosen? I say we say, let's see what Cliff can do. Let's give him a shot in the NFL. Honestly. Let him coach his side of the ball. Gets an elite mind on the other side of the ball. Why not? They get some players. They draft well. It's a front office thing, too. You know, Les Snead was half the battle for the Rams in terms of, you know, building their way back up. They got Andrew Whitworth a left tackle, huge for Jared Goff. They rebuilt an offensive line. He has weapons, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, they sign. 
if you know the Cardinals and Jets can do something similar, there's no reason to think that this team, that they can't develop in a similar way that the Rams and Bears have. It's not just, do you know Sean McVay? That's what people are trying to, to sell to you right now. It's, it's like a, a meme. That it's like a joke that if you know Sean McVay, oh, you're getting a job. Maybe these NFL teams aren't stupid. Maybe they're just looking for someone who maximizes the now most important part of football, which is offense. And the most important part of offense is your quarterback, and you need to get the most out of him. And maybe this is the path to getting the most out of him. Good quarterback-coach relationship. I'm going to shift gears to this. There's only one new head coach move with the quarterback from the 2017 class that I um, I don't really like. Um, I was good with uh, some of the other moves, too. You know, I liked the Buccaneers getting Bruce Arians. I was surprised, actually, that he would take that. I thought he was done. Um, and he doesn't really have a clear thing at quarterback. I don't know if it's, it's Jameis Winston. I, I'm not very high on Jameis Winston. I haven't been since he came into the league. I'm still not. Um, he's all numbers, not a lot of wins, and even those numbers aren't very good. He throws way too many interceptions for my liking. I'm not huge on Jameis Winston. But uh, I still like the hire for Bruce Arians. I think maybe he can make something out of it. They have some pieces, definitely. And they got a, they're building a good staff down there. In, um, in Tampa Bay, and I like Vic Mangio to the Broncos because, honestly, Case Keenum's not the guy. They don't need anyone to nurture Case Keenum, okay? They're not going to win that way. They're going to win with an elite defense, and Vic Mangio is a good defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I'm happy with that. That's the way they're going to win. Average quarterback play, great defense, good hire for the Broncos as they look for their franchise quarterback. But what I want to focus on here is that there's only one new head coaching move with a quarterback from this 2017 class. All the 2017 class, except uh, you know Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they all got new, uh, new head coaches. The only one I haven't talked about is the only one I don't like, and that is Freddie Kitchens to the Cleveland Browns. This is what dysfunctional organizations do. They are terrible for so long, and the second anyone shows them anything, any little positive sign, they cling on for dear life. Please don't go. Please don't go. We need you here. It's like when the Bills, when Ryan Fitzpatrick shows up, or with any of these dysfunctional teams, when Ryan Fitzpatrick shows up and has a good three games and they sign him to a, you know, a five-year bajillion-dollar deal. It's the same kind of a thing. Freddie Kitchens has never been a head coach at any level. Any. Middle school. He hasn't coached a middle school. I don't know, but I can't verify that. But he hasn't coached a high school team. I can say that. Okay, nothing above that. He's never coached that. And, you know, he's, he's never been hired to be a coordinator. He's been around. This dude has been coaching since before I was born, I think. Yeah, since the 90s. He started in the late 90s. And he has never been hired to be a coordinator in college or the NFL. And now he's walking into a, a head coaching NFL job? He's, he's never been hired. To, his only stint as a coordinator was as an interim. His biggest job ever was last year as an interim. And now he's walking and he's got this. It's just it's a good roster in Cleveland. It's a young quarterback who showed some promise, but it's a dysfunctional owner. And Jimmy Haslam, I frankly do not think he knows what he's doing. And I think some of these coaches in the market don't want to work with him. Teams have had just years and years and years of openings to hire this guy, Freddie Kitchens, as an offensive coordinator. And everyone has passed multiple times. He was in the Arizona staff for years, coached three different positions, running back, tight end, quarterback. And, you know, the quarterback coach is a pretty transitioned offensive coordinator. And, you know, and these teams said, no thanks. Cleveland wouldn't even let him be OC until they ran Todd Haley out of town. On an interim basis, they're like, they, they didn't hire him as their offensive coordinator. Cleveland didn't pick him. 
<laughs> and to think, uh, the funny thing to me is uh, when I look at this, that everyone was saying that the Browns are the best job. They have such a good roster. Baker, Mayfield. And they hired the least qualified candidate on the market. This is one of the most least qualified head coaching candidates to get the job I've seen in years. You talk about qualified... And everybody's questioning Cliff Kingsbury's qualifications today. Cliff Kingsbury is 10 times as qualified as Freddie Kitchen, in my opinion, as Freddie Kitchen is. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury at least runs the schemes that are taking over the NFL today. Is one of the innovators of these, uh, this air raid, the college offenses schemes that we're, we're bringing into the league with these young quarterbacks, the spread offenses, you know, that like to move the ball around the field, play up tempo. At least he's one of the innovators of that. Freddie Kitchens is not one of that. And, and at least uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been a head coach. Yeah? And I'm not saying you can't. You know, Sean McVay wasn't a head coach before. But he was an offensive coordinator before. <laughs> and I think there's something to be said about being hired as an offensive coordinator. You know, uh, he walks into this Cleveland thing. But he was never chosen. You know, the, there are scouts out there looking for the next guy as an offensive coordinator, and he was in that organization for so long, and Arizona never thought it was going to be him. No one else around the league said, wow, this guy's doing a great job. And, you know, he's, he's been coaching, you know, running backs, tight ends. They've had some good running backs, some good tight ends, some good quarterbacks in Arizona, and still no one thought, man, maybe we should get this guy a shot at OC. And and to think that this is this can't be the best job, right? They hired the least qualified candidate. So the, with that, this says big picture, macro, is where I'm trying to look with this, this whole Browns-Freddy Kitchens thing, is that the Browns job either isn't as good as the media paints it to be, or there's just something we don't know about in Cleveland. And I'll let you decide which is which. I think it's the first one. I think it's just this Browns job really working for a dysfunctional owner, for a historically one of the most losing organizations in professional sports, it's just leaving in Cleveland. It's just not that attractive of an, of an offer and not that good of a job. He's, they're not working for you know Bob Kraft. They're not working for the the Rooney family, um, for the Mara family, for Stan Kroenke. You'll stay out of your hair. It's not like that. You know it's um, you know it's Jimmy Haslam who's hands on and has been hands on through years and years and years of dysfunctional losing. And I just feel like it's Cleveland being Cleveland. Getting dysfunctional, making, I think, once again, the Browns have chosen wrong. And thats it's crazy to think that the second the Browns get something good, they can't see big picture. And I can't even think, why wouldn't you just go with Greg Williams at this point? Because, honestly, could you not have just kept the staff that you, you did last year? That everyone's going, oh, you did so well. I mean, they, I guess, I mean, I've been saying the whole back half of the year the Browns are a bit overrated. Um, Baker Mayfield threw a lot of picks, and he, he, he played pretty well. I'm not going to deny that. I'm, he's a good player. But what I am going to say is that I really am not sure how I feel about not just keeping Greg Williams, an experienced guy who's been a coach before, and then let Freddie Kitchens work his way up from OC. Then maybe he takes. he's the next guy. You know, at least you can see if this thing is actually working, you know. Because what's Freddie Kitchens going to do differently as OC than he is as a head, at head coach? And now you lose the experienced voice in the room of Greg Williams. And that's my issue with that. And I, I pushed back on Greg Williams when he first got the job. But, I mean, I mean he did okay. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't that bad. And I, I think they were overrated, but it wasn't up by a grand scheme. And he's got the experience. He can lead a room. 
and he's been chosen. I can't say that at all for Freddie Kitchens, and that's my take on the Cleveland Browns. And the new head coach, and that's, you know, the wraparound of the league. Um, Mike McCarthy, I think, t- uh, out for the out of the coaching, you know, race for a while. Um, I think he'll be back, definitely. Uh, and I think he's a very good coach. I was not. I think he was the issue you know, with the Packers. He was a big part of it. And his deteriorating relationship with Aaron Rodgers. You know, we talk about how important quarterback-coach relationship is, and his fell apart. Um, so Mike McCarthy looks like he's done. And the other, the one major hire I haven't talked about yet is with those Green Bay Packers, and that is Matt LaFleur formerly of the Los Angeles Rams, offensive coordinator the first year under Sean McVay, this year under the Tennessee Titans. And there has been, again, a lot of pushback on the Matt LaFleur. And I'm not trying to be a contrarian here, but what I am saying is there not something to Matt LaFleur's contributions in L.A. And everyone goes, oh, the Titans offense got so much worse. I'm like, they were going with Blaine Gabbert half the year. He wants to play like the Rams, and he has the Titans personnel. I mean, we don't know if Marcus Mariota is anything. He has Derrick Henry and not much else. They were not ever going to play like the Rams, let's be honest. So everyone pulls up all these metrics and these stats about how they've gotten worse under Matt LaFleur. And I'm just like, is there nothing to be said about being in the room with Kyle Shanahan at one point and Sean McVay at the other? You know, it's not just that he knows them. I mean, he worked under them. And I'm not trying, and I don't know if it'll work. I really cannot say if Matt LaFleur will work. I think Cliff Kingsbury will. I think Adam Gase will. I think Freddie Kitchens will not. Um, not sure on Bruce Arians. I think Mick Mangio will. And with the Matt LaFleur thing, I on this is the one I can't really decide. I can see it going either way because I can see good in Matt LaFleur. And maybe that's, you know, because I saw it with the Rams. But I am also, you know, I've seen... I, I see why people think he's not qualified enough to be coach of the Packers, and I think they should have gone for Josh McDaniels if that was available. Because you need someone who Aaron respects. And we'll see if Matt LaFleur can earn Aaron's respect in the room when there's been some talks that he's not exactly the most assertive of coaching personalities. And that's my concern there. But I'm going to move on. So um, earlier on the show, was just praising Cliff Kingsbury. But I got to jump in on this. Like, this is just massive here. Uh, the Kyler Murray thing is bad from every perspective. <laughs> and this is just first things first. In my opinion, Kyler Murray should play baseball. He was drafted ninth overall. He's got millions of dollars in the bank and a bright future in the sport. And he has been increasing his NFL draft stock with a great season. I can say with confidence that he's anything outside of what Lincoln Riley has accomplished. Murray's best ability is his athleticism. And that's kind of hindered by his height, right? It's a mold we've seen before. So the best comparison for a skill set like that is Russell Wilson. Though it's important to remember Wilson's development into a true elite pocket passer that can also run, not the other way around, is what made him a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I'm not really sure if Murray has the you know cerebral qualities to make that happen. I'm not saying he's you know not an intelligent player. He's a, he's a great. I don't know if he's Russell Wilson intelligent player, right? So I don't know if he can do what Russell Wilson did and develop into that. And, you know, I'm not totally on board with, because of that, I'm not on board with the rumor that the Cardinals will take Murray number one overall. And I said last year, I was like, I think Baker's a reach at number one. But this is next level because, you know, Baker coming into the league has elite accuracy. You know, he is like, he's closer to Drew Brees, actually. I don't think he's Drew Brees. Mentally, 
Um, Character-wise, he's not Drew Brees. But this one aspect that they share is they have elite accuracy for a, you know, a 5'11", 6-foot quarterback. Murray does not have that. And this draft, so, you know, we're talking Kingsbury's issues in defense. That's what I was talking about earlier, that this would be his new coach if the Cardinals take him number one. So this is the best defensive draft in recent memory with pass rushers loaded across the board that can alter a defensive trajectory. Think like a Nick Bosa in Arizona, right? You're going to take a one-year starter at Oklahoma over someone like that. When you have a second-year quarterback on the roster who most scouts and I, you know, rate higher than Kyler Murray. And Josh Rosen is, in my opinion, clearly the better player as, you know, he struggles last year with a defensive-minded head coach, a terrible offensive line, and no scheme. And actually, this scheme was so bad, they couldn't let their star player, David Johnson, get anything done on the offensive side of the ball. And frankly, that just is, it won't be the case next year with Cliff Kingsbury. Why are we so quick to judge Josh Rosen and say he's done? And it's a very real possibility, bold prediction, hot take, whatever you want to call it, that Josh Rosen is the next in the Goff-Trubisky model of a quarterback struggling their rookie year before with a defensive coach, before the young offensive head coach steps in and takes them to the next level. And for Goff, that took him to the star tier of quarterback because he has the natural throwing abilities, a pocket guy. Trubisky, on the other hand, is, is more mobile. Talent-wise, Rosen is much more Goff than he is Trubisky. Mitch is more of the athlete, less of a thrower. And Goff and Rosen are great rhythm passers. And I'm not saying Josh Rosen is the next Jared Goff, but there's a chance he is. And I think it's far more likely that he becomes the next Goff than Kyler Murray becomes the next Russell Wilson. Arizona's O-line is going to be a concern no matter who's the quarterback, right? So having a guy who holds the ball too long, Kyler Murray, trying to run around and make a play with his athleticism against Big 12 defenses, that might not look so good in Kingsbury's scheme. Keep in mind, he played a defense stack of NFL talent. Half the first round is Alabama defensive guys, it feels like. So he played basically an NFL defense. And he was down 28-0 before Alabama. Kind of went conservative, took the, you know, took it off, let, you know, play uh, defense to try to stop, you know, just to contain rather than really throttle them. But they were down 28-0 and had gone three and out multiple times. Did not look good. So just you got to keep that in mind when you consider Josh Rosen or Kyler Murray. For me, it's not a question. You go with Josh Rosen. So I promised rankings for the every team left in the playoffs. This is not my traditional top 10 NFL teams. There aren't 10 teams remaining. So uh, for the rest of the playoffs, I'm going to still rank every team, every team that remains, based on their chances to win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So keep in mind that this factors in their path, their home field advantage, and other things. Not just how good the team is. This isn't, you know, one through eight best roster. This is... How likely, in my opinion, is this team to win the Super Bowl? Let's jump right in. At number eight, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. And it's harsh because um, my main reason is I feel like Dak Prescott is the most limited quarterback left in the playoffs. And they have a potentially very difficult road in Los Angeles where I think they have a very good chance. I'll get into that later. And then against either the Eagles or the Saints where they're at a quarterback disadvantage. Their best hope is to get the Eagles, and you know what everyone says about the Eagles. I've bet against the Eagles for so long, for two years now, and they keep proving me wrong, although I did pick them to beat Chicago. But that's their best path. Best case scenario is they play Nick Foles, which in Doug Peterson's system might be superior to Dak Prescott. The running game, the defense is elite. Um, we know that. We know the offensive line is great. We know Dallas can win with their formula. Can they take their show on the road to Los Angeles Saturday night? That will be a huge test. At number seven, 
and this is really harsh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and lose um, at the beginning of the year. I don't think they'll make it. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I do not think the Los Angeles Chargers will win the AFC, and it's because of their path. A 12-win five-seed is super unfortunate, but look, I don't think they get out of Foxborough this weekend. Even though they're better on paper at every position than the Patriots are, the Patriots have been at a personnel disadvantage, it seems like, every year in the AFC playoffs, and they always come out on top. Especially at home, cross-country for the second week in a row, Brady and Belichick heating up. I just don't like the Chargers getting out of this week. And even if they can, they face the winner of Colts Chiefs, <laughs> the hottest team in the NFL versus arguably the best. So, and either one, and unless it's the Colts, it's on the road. So, I'm just, I don't know how I feel about um, LA's chances. They're a great team. They're a great roster. I don't think they get out of Foxborough this weekend. Chargers at seven. And number six is the Indianapolis Colts, and this team is a year ahead of schedule. It's like a baseball team that throws in the towel, tanks, bottom of the standings, uh, Astros-Cubs think, um, and then they just start loading up draft pieces. They got the cap space. They get it working. It's just like that. I mean, the Colts have redrafted so well in Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard to put around this you know, this rebuilt offensive line for Andrew Luck with the weapons they have. Um and it's funny because I, I put the Colts in my preseason predictions to make the playoffs, and then they started the year so badly, and I was like, man, I was wrong on the Colts. And then they, they go 10-1. and one. They're 10-1 and one in their last 11 games, and the Chiefs should be nervous. I can easily – I just – I don't see them beating – going into Kansas City, even going into New England, potentially. You know, that's just such a difficult path as a six seed. I just don't know if I – and they can't – they cannot host a game. So – Worst case, they play the, or best case, I guess, they play the Chargers in L.A., which uh, that would be weird to see the AMC Championship game at StubHub Center, but it could happen. Um, the Colts, though, they have such a difficult road. They're a great team. They're one of the best teams remaining. I got to put them at six, though. At number five, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Foles, magic. Can it go for a second year in a row is the question on everyone's mind following their win over the Chicago Bears. And honestly, I just can't say anymore. This team is just, they are galvanized with Nick Foles. He is so calm under pressure, it amazes me, honestly, the way he just stands and delivers the football. And Doug Peterson simplifies the system, you know, makes it more rhythm-based, makes it more systematic, you know, more dink and dunk. And But he can, you know, he's not the most talented arm talent. You know, he's not the, the best quarterback in their quarterback room when everyone's healthy for sure, but he brings something Carson Wentz does not. And I think Carson Wentz is 100% their answer moving forward. They should not bank on Nick Foles. I don't think any team should bank on Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles shouldn't bank on Nick Foles. I think he should stay in Philadelphia as the backup just you know, for the rest of his career. Because you know his career almost ended but when he, when he left, and now he's back and he's Super Bowl MVP. But the point is, is that the Eagles, I put them at five because the road is difficult. But honestly, they're five because I don't know anymore. So I think it's five if we're going – from least likely to most likely, they're like, I don't think so, but it's like a hard maybe. Okay, that's five. Number four is my Los Angeles Rams, and uh, they could very easily lose tomorrow night. Very easily. I don't want to give away my predictions, which we'll get to in a second. But, man, the Rams are... <laughs> they The road will probably be difficult. I mean, I don't like any of the remaining matchups for Los Angeles. The Cowboys match up really well. They're going. It's going to be a home game for the Cowboys in L.A. 
they have so many fans in LA. It's it's going to be hopefully a ramp, best case Ram scenario is 50-50 fan split neutral field. Uh, it will be unlike anything the Rams have seen in a big game this year. And the Rams have had the Chiefs in town who take over the Chargers stadium every year. That's no diss on the Rams, but it's going to be a tough way to win, and they're going to play a team that they don't match up well with. Because this team, if any team can stop Gurley, it's the Cowboys. If any team can, you know, not stop Zeke Elliott, it's the Rams. That's a bad look. And Dak Prescott, in the big spots, shows up. And even if the Rams can get through this game, they're probably on the road to New Orleans again, which that didn't go so well last time. Rams at four. Number three is the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're here because they have a, it's just unfortunate the way they play the sixth seed and it's the best team in the NFL over December and the Colts are hot and you never want to play the hot hand and the Colts just, they are honestly right now today. Indy is on fire and Kansas City, you know, they lose Kareem Hunt. Are they the same team? Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league, 50 touchdowns. He's been amazing this year. But he's never shown he can do it in the playoffs. There's always, you know, a learning curve before these great quarterbacks truly ascend to Super Bowl, you know, winning levels. And I don't know if the Chiefs are there yet. And they're here because they still are one of the best, most loaded rosters in the NFL. You know, you got Tyreek Hill, of course. If you can get Sammy Watkins on the other flank, that's huge for the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, you still worry, you know, is this team experienced enough? Are they the same, you know, are they becoming one-dimensional without the threat of Kareem Hunt out of the backfield? That's the concern for the Chiefs. Haven't been as dominant as they were early in the season, but they're at number three. At number two, the New England Patriots, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. In the playoffs, in Foxborough, things tend to go well. The only concern why they're not number one is they don't have home field advantage. So there's a good chance they have to go to Kansas City, which is a rabid fan environment. That's the only reason they're not number one. I think they honestly, they have a better shot to win the AFC than the Chiefs because I think the Colts could be, I don't know, I'm not going to predict anything yet, but I think it'll be close. And I just see New England and I, I, this, we feel like we do this every year. We doubt New England and then come playoff time, they have home field advantage, they have their bye, and they beat the first team. I think they'll beat it. I'm saying now, I think they'll beat the Chargers. And yeah, I just, they, their road is easier than most, as easy as it can be when there's only eight teams left. But New England could be in for another Super Bowl year, a shot at redemption against whoever can come out of the NFC. Patriots at two. Number one, the New Orleans Saints, of course, the New Orleans Saints. Home field advantage, one of the best home field advantages in football. Great O-line, great D-line, great quarterback, great weapons, great running back. They keep that over the Chiefs. They have, it's amazing, they have the ingredients in some ways of the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl last year. You know, the great, great on both fronts, just like the Eagles. But they have better perimeter weapons than the Eagles ever did. They have a better running back than the Eagles ever did. The secondary is the weakest area of their team, but it's quickly improving. And not to mention that they have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees and a Hall of Fame coach in Sean Payton. They've done it before. They should do it again. Honestly, New Orleans has looked for a lot of the season just to cut above the rest of the league. And it's just, can anyone, it's the Saints world. We're living in it. New Orleans are my favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. Special edition of Red Zone to wrap up the show today as I'm going to take you through all of my predictions for this weekend's edition of games. Uh, 
and before the season, I'll preface it, I did take the Chargers to play the Rams in the Super Bowl, and it's still possible, but uh, things have shifted since I made that prediction, so it is subject to change. With that being said, my divisional round, red zone, let's get right into it. First game of the week is Chiefs-Colts, and I'm going to go with the Chiefs. They win in a tight 38-35 thriller, and here's the reason why. The Colts are a year away, okay? When this team gets free agency, when they draft, you know, if they keep drafting like this, Chris Ballard, the way he's been doing as GM, if they keep going like this, they're going to be the best team in the NFL in the, in the coming years with Andrew Luck. His best year, amazing, his best years where the team could be in front of him after what happened, but not this time. It's mostly because it's at Arrowhead. If this was in Indianapolis without, you know, Kareem Hunt, with the Chiefs not quite looking the same, I would have been very tempted to take the Colts, and I still am, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs win 38-35. Now we head to Los Angeles where we have our first upset. The Dallas Cowboys defeat my Los Angeles Rams 27-21, and here's why. Honestly, at the end of the day, it, it's not a good matchup for the Rams. The Cowboys are a team built to beat a team like the Rams. The last time they played... In Dallas last year, super tight game, a bunch of field goals. They held a Sean McVay offense, and the defense has gotten better. They had no Leighton Van Der Esch back then. You know, they had they they were not the same team as they are now. Um, I'm not sure. If, I don't think Jalen's no Jalen Smith either, and that's their best duo at linebacker. And now they go they head into Los Angeles. They're going to have a ton of fan support at the Ram, you know, at the Coliseum. And I just don't feel good about this game for the Rams. And, you know, I think Jerry Goff will step up. I think they'll score some points. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys. 27-21 final. And over the AFC, I'm going to go with the Patriots beat the Chargers 31-21. And I think the Chargers roster is elite. I really do. And I think Anthony Lynn's a good coach. And I think Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. But they're just not Brady and Belichick. And it's sad they had to, you know, get this, you know, have to play this matchup this early. But this is the game Phillip Rivers has always wanted. He's always wanted this from 2007, that AFC championship game. This is his moment at redemption. He's been waiting for it. This is the best team he's had in over a decade. Can he really take the Chargers to the promised land and cement his Hall of Fame case? I hope he can. I don't think he will. Patriots 31-21, dynasty rolls on. And in the final game of Divisional Weekend, I have the Saints defeating the Eagles 34-30 in a closer game than some expect given the week 11 blowout in the in the Superdome but Philadelphia is a changed team with Nick Foles in a quarterback the energy since that game it's funny because that was the turning point to their season and the way they have developed since then makes them scary they feel like the Super Bowl team again they look like the Super Bowl team again and honestly I'm not betting against them but I I am picking them to lose but I wouldn't bet against them if I were a betting man I got Saints win, 34-30, and that wraps up the show today. It was so good to be back. Thank you guys so much for listening to the J.C. Gonzalez Sports Podcast, and I'll catch you next week this time.